You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Get your happiest thought in your head. And let's fly away to Neverland once again. And I, of course, am your your pan, the spider pan, Jeremy, your host here and head lost boy. And, uh, well, Eric isn't with us this week. Eric hasn't been feeling very good. So I found a different lost boy to come with us. Hello. Hello. How are you? Y'all know the voice of lost boy, Philip, or as we call him, the Kryptonian. Hey, hey. And the nicknames are a little important this week because... I actually am going to have a different Eric on the show later today, and actually for the next two weeks, uh, we just refer to him as Mr. Eric on his show, the What If World podcast. It's a great little show, uh, a lot of different stories, children's stories he makes up, uh, kind of improvs. We're going to hear from him a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk all about story and the importance that story was to Walt Disney, to humanity in general, and we're going to talk about this pretty much the rest of the month. Now, you might notice also that things sound a little different. Uh, I'm actually... We're over at Lost Boy Phil's little basement area, <laughs> and we're recording on my phone. So it's going to sound a little different. Uh, we'll have better sound quality later on the show. But before we get to that fun content, uh, we, of course, do have some news to cover. So uh, let's uh, hear that sounder. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. All right, so, well, first thing, though, and I I forgot to write this down, because this is kind of old news by the time we're getting a chance to talk about it, but you did hear that Chicago, April 2019, will be hosting Star Wars Celebration. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. I am partially tempted to go because that's only about maybe a six-hour drive. I, I love to go to Chicago. I've never been. Really, you never I, been? I, I've been to Chicago for the airport. Okay, a couple times been to the airport. I've been to the airport before too. But I would love to go to the actual city of Chicago and just go look around. You know, go see a few things in Chicago. That'd be fun. Yeah, and what's well, that's the thing is. Going to celebration would probably be fun, but I'm also I'm almost afraid, and this is the first time they've had anything this close to home in Midwest. It would be so crowded that I wouldn't get a chance to do anything. Yeah. And I've actually had a lot of fun live streaming it on YouTube. So part of me is okay if I don't go, but part of me really just wants to be there. Yeah. But you know, you have to afford the tickets. You have to get your hotel room. Uh, then you know, if you have a bunch of people go, the drive is no problem. It'll be fun. So. I'm kind of tempted to try to maybe go, but I have to save some money up. Yeah, maybe maybe we can figure something out. That'd yeah, maybe, so maybe it'd be great to record part of the show from there. Oh, that'd be great. So, but yeah, that was an exciting news. Oh, some also exciting Star Wars news that I forgot to write in my notes. But uh, okay, so everybody might remember that I had Mike Quinn on the show. Uh, well, it's been it's been a long time now, but he was Nine Num in Return of the Jedi: The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Well. He was able to reveal it to everybody because this there was this big thing last uh, well I guess a couple weeks ago but they had the uh, you know Galactic Nights at, at uh, in the Hollywood Studios there at Walt Disney World and they announced a bunch of stuff about Galaxy's Edge and one of the things is that Nine Numb is going to be a part of the Millennium Falcon attraction. 
Well, that'd be wonderful. That'd be fantastic. So I guess an animatronic is going to be there. I don't know if they'll maybe let Mike Quinn kind of help program the animatronic to make it move the way, you know, he did work the puppet. Or even now he's got more of a bodysuit that he's gotten to wear since he's seen Night Numb flying an X-Wing. But this is pretty exciting. Night Numb getting to be a part of the attraction there. So that's cool. We also have learned that they have a name for that, uh, that the outpost there, the little village, because we know the planet of Batu is where you're going for Galaxy's Edge. But the little place is called Black Spire Outpost, oh. which is cool. But here's the thing that, that bugged me when I first heard this, and I was talking to, to, to Pixie Heather about this. When you have cities in Star Wars and films, Moss Eisley. Yeah. Uh, well, Cloud City uh, has a name, I think, doesn't it? Uh, 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 shoot, hang on. It does. Yeah. It starts to be, let's see, uh, uh, yeah. Bespin. Bespin. Yeah, well, Bespin, I think, is the planet. But names are typically you're alien. Probably, you're probably right. But yeah, obviously, they are. So it seems to me, instead of calling well, Black Spire Outpost, this name for this Black Spire structure of what was a tree, and then we have an outpost there. That's too English to me. That's too yeah. Earth. I would like for them to, you know, you can call it Black Spire Outpost, but I would love for them to give it an alien type of name yeah. of this town on the planet of Batuu. Because Batuu, what a great name for a planet. Sure. Yeah. I want the town to have a name like that. So I'm hoping they're going to maybe have Black Spire Outpost is what it translates into what they call basic in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. But have it in some sort of other language or whatever they speak. The Batuese or whatever. Yeah. Batuski. Yeah. <laughs> Batuski. <laughs> I, you know, I had to go there. So I'm hoping we're going to hear that it is a different kind of name. Oh, but 2019. Summer in Disneyland. Late fall, they're saying, for Walt Disney World, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will be open. Yay. So we got an announcement. So that means somewhere around 2020, 2021 is when I'll go because that's when the, it'll Say slow down a little time. bit. Say that one more time. 2020 or 2021 is when I will go. 2020, 2021. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a heck of a mouthful. But see, that way everything slows down a little bit so you get a chance to do things because that would be my worry. And plus, maybe by then, the resort will be ready to go. Now, I don't know if you've gotten to hear about this beforehand. Uh, I'm going to have to reopen the link. I got it open twice now on my phone. But they're building a resort that you're, you're going to role play. They're going to give you your, your outfit to wear. The entire resort is supposed to be like you're on a Star Wars location. That's awesome. I would love so to. So you're going to walk and live and breathe Star Wars. And they're even going to set it up to where your transport from your resort will be like a Star Wars style transport just and, and drop you right into Galaxy's Edge. I would love Soon, it. Not ruin the illusion. I know. You're going to have to pay so much, I'm sure. Yeah, but, you know, I would love that. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be in a Star Wars world. Yes. I, listen, my bike was a speeder bike. It went after, after Return of the Jedi. Before that, I was in Luke's little car, a little sand thing. Or an X-Wing. X, well, no, that I, I was an X-Wing on my bike. X-wing. But before that, before that, now I will say, what I had was the big, the big, uh, what do you call the big wheels? We have yes. it, that was the X-wing until until I was a little older and, and Return of the Jedi came out. You know, I was really old, six years old, and the, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi came out. And then I was suddenly on those little speeder bikes. Those yeah. things. I'm going to tell you something. Those things changed my world. I, when they came out, the little speeder bikes and Return of the Jedi, I would suddenly run everywhere in the backyard, trying not to hit the tree, and I tried to get as close as I could to the tree. Trying to re redo what I saw in the movies. Oh wow! I was trying to get as close as I could to the tree because you know what it looked like. <laughs> yes. So I was trying to redo that. If I could go into the world of Star Wars, that would be wonderful. That'd be outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and uh, right now, this under development on the south side of Disney's Hollywood Studios, just east of World Drive. So. Basically, you're going to have here Star Wars Land and part of Hollywood Studios, and they're going to keep the resort close by. And But the windows, you're going to look out the window and see space. Oh. So the windows are going to be generated. So when we'd heard about this a while ago that they were going to do this, but now getting a little bit more of that detail and giving to- being told, here's the location. This is where we're developing. It didn't, seem, we're it didn't like, seem real to me, though. It didn't yeah. seem real. The more we close, oh, let's forget to it. The more it's like, oh man, it still seems okay. like a dream, though, that I'm not going to get to live. And but who knows? Maybe someday we're going to get there, brother. Okay, now I have some bad news for you. But uh, you didn't see Maleficent. No. Be thankful. Yeah, every little bit I've seen of it, just it's just not my thing. Yeah, and he's wrong. He's wrong. Yeah, the story though was just it was bad, uh, and it's uh, there's there's so many ways that the story could have been good, and they could have redeemed what they did yeah, to the it. Pictures I saw. I was actually 
inspired. I, it looked good. The very yeah. first picture I saw, I thought, that, that, that might be good. Yeah, and Angelina Jolie looked really yeah. great as Maleficent. And the way she acted was fine. Yeah. It was the story that was bad. Yeah. It basically, it, it, it plays out like a one-night stand gone wrong, and now you got a vengeful woman who's upset about her one-night stand. And but she's the hero. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Uh, I, I don't, this is just me. I'm old school, Captain old school. I don't like this thing of trying to make the victim to look like the poor soul who's been turned against and, and everybody else is the bad guy and she or whoever, he, she, whoever, they're the victim and everybody else is bad and she is good. I hate that. I hate it. The, That's kind of what they did. Well, I won't get biblical about the right is wrong, wrong is right. <laughs> yeah. Even though I just did. Yeah, you but, just did. But the truth be told, I just I don't like that thought where all the bad guys are good and the good guys are bad. And yeah. I, I had a little kid not that long ago say that they, they feel sorry for the Joker and Harley Quinn and uh, and they feel bad for uh, the Ping One and Two Face and all this because Batman's a big meanie who's trying to ruin their fun. Yeah, and I, even with Cobra Kai coming out, I have seen people who try to make the case that Daniel LaRusso was the bully. Yeah, and of course I think in that it's a joke, and they change it around. But no, they're serious about like the original movies. Daniel Russo, Larusso was the bad guy. Like, what? Did we watch the same movie? Yeah, it's uh, a. All that being said is, I know if you're doing it as a joke is one thing, but it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to have that point of view. That uh, you know, it's it's just a little crazy. Uh, yeah, and even and, and some of you may feel this way, but I've heard some other podcasters that say that. They had sympathy for Thanos in Infinity War. Yeah. And they, they couldn't help. They kind of rooted for him a little bit. Like, I at no point did I ever root for him. I like when you have some motivation for a villain. That's yeah. cool. Make, but at no point was I thinking, gosh, he might be right. Yeah. It's like, no, he's no. the mad titan. He wanted to kill to, out to half make, the universe. To, to make him Ugh. understandable, believable, uh, have an understanding of what they're going for, realistic. I don't know what word you want to use here. But I, I can I like that, you know. It's, it's yeah. less cartoony, whatever. You gave him some depth. That was great. That's good. But when I've heard podcasters saying, "Oh, I sympathize with him," and I, I was kind of and I, even the have others that I heard, I was kind of starting to root for Thanos. I'm like what? Yeah, I, I, I ain't gonna root for him. The, I'm sorry, because there's almost an environmental message in there. But you know, the value of human life is always greater than yeah. the, the the environment. Needs of the many. Outweigh the knees of the few, or the, or the can, one, or yeah. the one planet. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, I think you guys need to watch it again because remember, Thanos, pretty bad guy. He's, yeah, uh, he's vicious. He's yeah, he's pretty vicious to to his own to his <laughs> own agenda. He was willing to do anything, even sacrifice half of you. So I'm sorry, I could not yeah. support him. He's insane. He'll slit your wrist if it means good for him. He'll yeah. slit your wrist at any second. Some other, this is interesting. Okay, so the shareholders of 21st Century Fox, that's actually what it is that Disney's buying. 21st Century is like the movie division. Uh, Sky, the, the the television service or whatever, satellite service is Sky, might just go to let Comcast kind of was stepping in a little bit. So Bob Iger's willing to let Sky go to them. But the shareholders of 21st Century Fox are going to convene on July 10th, and they're going to have a vote on this this sell to Disney. Uh, it's We're looking at about a $52.4 billion agreement to sell Fox assets like FX and 20th Century Fox Studio over to Disney. Now, this is an important vote because, you know, Comcast is part of Universal, and they actually tried to offer a little bit more money, which is why Bob Iger says, well, what you probably really want is, like, Sky, because that would be good for Comcast to have that added to your network. So Bob Iger's like, well, we were really kind of hoping to have that, but, you know, you maybe you guys want to make a deal for that. But I think what it is is Universal is afraid of Disney getting hold of some of their characters back. No. Because, oh, look, we get the X-Men back and... Uh, and the, well, as I well, said, yeah, the Simpsons. Well, but I'm worried. I think it's the Marvel aspect because Universal has a stake in Marvel. Yeah, they, they do. But, mm -hmm. but because of course the parks. In case you that didn't being know. said, they already have. They already have the Marvel. They already have that. Stuff. They have and, an agreement to do and, it, and so. they've allowed that. And so there's lots of things they could take. But they'll make a deal if, if need be. I mean, they they'll make a deal with them because Disney right now makes money. Yeah. Off of Universal, in a sense. They yeah, pay, they, because so. they have to pay for the rights to have it in the parks. And they have to keep up that contract and by updating it. and so. But I think they're afraid of losing the, the potential of doing anything else. Yeah, maybe. Ooh, but 
All right, now we've had it tossed around that it looks like an Obi Wan movie could happen at some point. It looks like it's being worked on. But the official announcement, and this is something we knew when they said they were going to do some some Star Wars stories, we heard uh, the Rogue One Rogue because they, you know, of course, I don't think they were calling it Rogue One at the time, but we heard, oh, oh the stealing of the Death Star plans. Yeah. We heard something about a Han Solo. Han Solo. You know who else we heard about? You remember? Which one? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. And, and they Boba have announced Fett. Boba Fett's coming. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'd heard several. Boba Fett was one. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan was one. Yeah, Obi-Wan, I think it's the, the fans really seem to have wanted that one. And one. Kathleen Kennedy kind of lets slip that they are considering. Yeah, they said consider. I heard Mace Windu's name, but they said that be if they did, it'd be in the future. They said far in the future. Yeah. I there was, there was like this thing of like trying to find a way for Mace Windu to live because well he never died in the, as we, didn't, as we, we never we saw him. him go out the window with missing his hand yeah. but well hand yeah uh-huh, yeah but you know if they they've now had to tie in with because the Clone Wars it to me it was pretty silly that Darth Maul did live but now they've even included him in a I'm sorry spoiler warning incoming yeah close they've been included close your ears you've probably seen Solo by now it's been three weeks two weeks yeah um, but you know. Darth Maul has now made an appearance in a film. He has been in, you know, I didn't watch it all. He's also in the the show Rebel. Yeah, he was in Star Wars Rebels. And, and so Star he's been around in the animated series. And him Obi Wan. No, no, I, I haven't even seen it. Judd, no, okay. I haven't watched all the Rebels yet. I, I so it. don't, don't say anything. All I'm saying is, I know that they. I know they're they're close to pop up, but I don't want to know. <laughs> so because of that, the rumor has it that that the the whatever they did in that Rebel. Cartoon, and I don't know. We don't want to know. Yeah, I, I not until I watch it anyway. I don't either. I'm, I'm waiting. Someone's gonna help help me to find out. They have copies up. They're gonna let me see it. I've got all my DVR yeah, still. I'm still in season three. And they meet. I think. And all this season three. Yeah. They meet uh, at an older Obi Wan. We're talking like the yeah, one that on we know. Yes, from the the original. Yeah. Obi Wan, look, you know, yeah. how about the because okay. Maul's big motivation has been revenge for everybody who's ever wronged him. And well, we know Obi Wan was the one, you know. Well, he isn't the only one. He's no, mad at even the Sith, but yeah. Obi Wan's the number one he's, on he's his the, list. He's the reason why he's only half a body. Yeah. Which how did he? So I'm figuring that his his species doesn't have the same physiology as a human, even though he's humanoid, because he was cut across his middle. He's lost his bowels and everything. But do you remember that there was a uh, spider-ish? thing that attached to him if you've seen yeah he managed to have that thing but that's his legs yeah but how does he live without his intestines i have no idea see that's where it bothers me so i'm thinking he must not have the same physiology because that would kill a yeah. human so well obviously he's not like regular human yeah. and he's from i forgot the name of the planet already Either, I don't where the uh, the night sisters were and all that stuff yeah uh, so he's not human, so I guess there's something about it because when you say, "Oh, well, he was able to use the Force and the, all his hatred and anger, which just built up that he was able oh, to survive," that was the excuse in the Clone Fantasy Wars. Is, but, is a fun thing in the sense that yeah, you can make but it gets it gets a little silly. But so that's to me also what the, if they bring Mace Windu back to say, "No, no, he's alive," it's the same thing to me. Like, well, you know what? If you can bring Darth Maul back. Why not? Makes Windu because apparently you don't have to die, and even if you're cutting half. Well, the good thing about if you watch that movie again, even when it happened, I know people have made. I've heard them all. I've heard all the people make the reasons. But here's what it was. But it really came down to Samuel L. Jackson having a conversation with George Lucas, saying, "I don't want Makes Windu to be dying." So George Lucas says, "Okay, he's alive." He gave him. He gave him the opportunity, which is smart. Not he's dead, maybe. That's a but then where the heck has he been all the time? Well, that's just it. So it's like with, Obi- like with Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and other people. We know they're hiding out. We know that they got away. It doesn't mean that somebody didn't know that Mace got away. I mean, there's a lot of people running, and uh, Darth Vader went around killing a lot of people. We know yeah. that. But yeah. just because we don't see it doesn't mean someone's not there. Your cousin might be out there in the world. You'd think when a rebellion was stepping up and all the things were going, that Mace Windu would make a show up. Which, now, I don't know how Rebels ended, but uh, I I think I've heard something to where some of the characters that are Force users in there were still around. Which, you're you're messing with the solid canon that we have of Luke being our last and only hope. Well, yes and no. So, that that bugs me a bit. But I haven't watched all Rebels. I don't know how it ends yet. Keep in mind, he might be the last and only hope by the time that it happens. With Darth and all that, but that doesn't mean in the entire galaxy. It just means in that this. Yeah, so then it makes the question: anybody who's like, if if Ahsoka was alive at the end of it, I don't know. Yeah. Or or if Ezra is alive, where are they? Yeah. You, you know. now have to come up with that. 
Well, it's, so they have to be careful. It may not they, be the end, end of the entire galaxy. It might just be in that galaxy. We're not, you know, but it's, that is the Star Wars as it. Well, it's an own galaxy. Yeah, we're not talking universe. It's the galaxy. Yeah. So you've got you've got a lot of planets you can go to yeah, in that galaxy. Lot. Yeah. But why wouldn't they be involved? But I don't know. you know that could also lend to. So I mean, maybe a live action series or whatever. I mean, we know this Resistance series is coming up, uh, and of course, female leads. We were actually talking about that in the car. How yeah. there's every Star Wars thing seems to have a female lead these days, and you know, Resistance will have a female lead. Uh, but you know, they're they're talking about live action Star Wars series. Maybe we could pick up. Say, well, where is if, if Ahsoka is alive? I haven't finished watching Rebels. If Ahsoka and Ezra, on, or if any of them are alive during the events of the original Star Wars trilogy. I would like to see them what they're doing yeah. as maybe part of the rebellion. What a great movie, uh, or whatever. And why Ezra can't be the vague I don't, Jedi hope. Me. I don't okay. want to read the books. <laughs> yeah. I don't read the books the comic but once right. in a while. It's just to be truthful about it, I don't got time. I got so many other things to read and doing it. I have time for all that. Well if you've never really read the book well, we don't have time for it. Yeah. Plus which to be truthful, it, it I'm not saying it's not really a part of the canon, but most people don't. Uh, that are into it. I just I want to see it in a cartoon series. In a, yes, I want to be able to watch it. You know, it'd be fun. I'd love to see more about Lee, uh, Liam Neeson's character. Yeah, uh, you know, why can't Qui Gon come back? If if Darth Maul can be split in half and come back, Qui Gon just had one puncture wound. Yeah, but if nothing else, we know he's dead because yeah, I guess they, they burned him. But I would like to see Qui Gon make an appearance as a Force ghost. That's it. I know that that uh, I would love if they do the Obi Wan movie. My God, I can talk to Obi Wan. Yes, I would love because we know that he's spoken to him. Yeah. We also know that he's young enough, so I'm Ian McGregor, that you can have memory scenes. That you got some memory scenes when he's a little bit younger, and plus what they can do with computer. Yeah. We'd like to see when he first gets there and see the moments of when he first is talking to Qui Gon, and, and how great it would be to finally see how it works. Yeah. What we saw in Episode Three was that. Someone has come back to talk to us from the, you know, it's, it's as if he's found a way. He found the way to yeah, come back. To come yeah. back, and that would be great. Oh, friend I've been speaking with. That's right. It'd be wonderful. Oh, friends, long John. Things he will see. How great it would be to finally figure out how they first figured that out. Yeah. You could see it finally. And it might be somewhat similar to that force projection we've gotten to see now in The Last Jedi. Oh, boy. Could be related. Oh, Who knows? Who knows? It, it would be great to it's see what they might do. Yeah. I, plus... With the, with the, I was thinking about a Boba Fett, a Boba Fett movie. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Mace Windu was involved with that? He's the one that killed his father. Yes, there you go. There's a good way to bring Mace Windu back, and Boba Fett can still kill him. Uh -huh. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! I'll kill you again. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no right, right. Oh, I'm just kidding. Family show, Philip. Family show. Mickey friendly. Uh -huh. Mickey friendly. That's right. Mickey friendly. Oh, but speaking of you and McGregor, uh, I'm going to take you to the trailer park. Oh, let's. The Neverland Trailer Park. I do like a party. Come on, Pig. What should happen if you forget about me? Silly old bear. I won't ever forget about you, Pig. I promise. Not even when I'm a hundred. We should be working this weekend, Robin. I, I promised my wife and daughter I'd take them away this weekend. All hands on deck. You won't be coming to the cottage. Well, it can't be helped. Your life is happening now, right in front of you. What to do, what to do, what to do. What to do indeed. Who? Christopher Robin. No. The tree I remember was in the countryside, not here in London. There's no opening. I suppose it's where it needs to be. That's a silly explanation. Why, thank you. Who? Why are you here? Oh, yes, I need your help. I've lost all of my friends. Let's get to the bottom of this. Look up, who? Here I come. Uh, oh. It would appear that I am stuck. Have you just eaten honey? I have not just eaten honey. I wonder which way. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. Do you? That's the way I do it. Hello, you. Christopher Robin, it's you playing again. <laughs> Let's go see if we can find Piglet. I've already stayed far too long. Hello, everyone. It's Christopher Robin! So nice to see you all again. Why, thank you. Silly old bear. I was wrong about work. I was wrong about everything, and I've got to get back to my family. Farewell, Christopher Robin. I would have liked it to go on for a while longer. Perhaps it's our turn to save Christopher. Oh, 
You must be Madeline. Wait, you're the bearer of my father's drawings. Yes. Do you know where he is? I do. <laughs> Let's bounce! I just saw the most preposterous imposter. Look at him. Piglet! If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Oh, mother. I don't remember being cheery. <laughs> People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. No, poo, that's not the... Oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Christopher Robin. Uh, now, the first, the first oh, teaser... Uh, now, I admit this. When you first saw the first teaser, you don't know what, it, what exactly is going on. But then suddenly Pooh shows up. Did you start to tear up a little? Oh, the way he looked. And when you hear his voice, voice like, oh. what to do, what to do, <gasps> like, poo, you're alive. <laughs> and this is not bad poo. This is good poo. <laughs> yeah, this is the good kind of poo. Uh, this is like after you've been really constipated and you have the, no, wait a minute, uh, wrong kind wrong of good kind poo. Of but getting to see a full trailer and now. Piglet and Sandor yes, and, and, and Tigger. Oh. Tigger. And he looked like, you know, he looked like an older toy he, that had he, kind of he, he worn like out. He'd been worn out. He, he's been oh. seasoned. He's been seasoned, yes. And yet he's still bouncing with the tail. And you know the springy sound. And I, I love the way that instead of just maybe you know, this was all some make-believe thing of Christopher Robbins, him going through the tree and goes into the Hundred Acre Wood, and it's like a real place, and his daughter gets to see the characters alive. Yes. I was like, this makes a whole new area where it's not just it. imagine this dream this whole thing up. I, you know what it made oh. me want? It made me want to, to go to the Hundred Acre Wood? Oh, maybe. <laughs> But not only that, it, it, it did do two things. First of all, it made me think, why hasn't Disney made 100 Acre Woods for real? A park? Yeah. Well, they, they've park, got a play a area. Small, yeah, at least they, they small, had Winnie Pooh Honey Tree, which has been, I think it's been torn out, though. It's part of the Dumbo Circus now. Why not make a small, just a small uh, little area that you could walk through and have them there? I mean, I've been to the restaurant, which I love, uh, where you can meet the characters. But why not make a hundred acre woods where you can at least go in there, you know? And how great it would be! Epilopawoozles, you know? That'd be great. Well, because you you have an attraction, and they did for a while. They had had the honey tree, which. it, 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 I guess they took out the submarine ride that was originally Walt Disney World Magic yeah. Kingdom. They did put the tiny tree in. I believe that is gone, and it's a part of the Dumbo Circus now. Yeah. So they have done something Dumbo similar, but, <laughs> but to do an entire area yeah. would be really kind of fun and come up with more attractions that you could do. Pooh is wonderful. I mean, yeah, yeah we love Pooh. Yeah, I love Pooh. No, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh would be a great area. Yeah. A, not a gray area, a great. Great area, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. The only thing that would... See, normally this really bothers me when I see it, but I'm, I'm not as bothered because, like, for example, the Smurfs. Instead of getting to see the Smurfs do their thing in their world, which we want to see, they stick them in New York, and you're like, eh, like He-Man, yeah, Master of the Universe, why are they in our world? Yeah, we don't need And that. seeing Winnie the Pooh characters running around London, I'm a little worried. Yeah. But for some reason, I seem to be more okay with it. Yeah. Because I'm just happy to see these characters in, in a stuffed animal but form in a real world. Real. Maybe it's because they are stuffed animals. Yeah. They're not cartoons. They seem like they belong still in London, but moving around, maybe not everybody would see it. But I, I love that his daughter is seeing it. Yeah. But it would be kind of funny if Christopher Robin would see them talk and everything. You know, he could carry on me talking to Pooh, but if somebody would, he would pass by somebody like, well, you're talking to a teddy bear. The teddy bear's yeah. not going to talk back. That would still be funny. You could get away but with that. You know that. what I like, though? Because I love the way it looks. This is just me personally saying this. I don't want you to think, oh, they're doing this. But I would love if this movie does well, and I think it will. I, oh, heck yeah, Will. Uh, if this movie does well, I would love for them to make the uh, prequels and make the movie that we know and love, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, as a live-action movie. I think this was sort of the attempt to kind of do something similar well, to yeah, that. Yeah, but least. this way, wouldn't it be great if so, we could but, actually get But that actually do could, it. If you get a real kid, a good a good Christopher was, Robin. Yes. That'd and be a even, great way to do it. There are stories in those books, because I've read them. They're, they're, they're got, so great. They're not so even, there's stories that have not been touched. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because you'd make more than one movie. Yes, you like, could. You'd bring out the mini uh, oh. Winnie the Pooh, the way it was in the cartoon, do that, and then have the, the mini sequels. Or whatever you want to call Oh, the mini sequels of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> that'd be great. Which is, you know, that, the that, untold, the untold yeah, stories. Yeah, the untold stories. Yeah. Or uh, Welcome to Pooh Corner was the second book. There, there you go. Or it was called Pooh Corner, I think. Okay. And they based the series Welcome to Pooh Corner off of that name. Yeah. But 
a Pooh Corner movie. There you go. That has more and of the stories. Get those the stories that we haven't had. But how great it would be to have the live action thing brought mm-hmm. to life afterward. Oh, I, I could just see Winnie the Pooh right now. Okay, Heffalump Woozles. You know, that's my yes. favorite part. But my, my second favorite part has to be uh, where he's in the club. supposed to be, I'm just a little like rain, rain cloud. You know a little black rain cloud never eats honey. No, not a nip. I just love that part. <laughs> yes, I love that song. I can see it. I can see yes. the mud coming out. I want it now. Uh, I should have said it. <laughs> <laughs> but they should do it. If Disney listens to my show, we've said it here. Please make it for us. We would be so happy. We love you. We love you. We love Winnie the Pooh. And as I'm about to tie over to our next segment about oh, story. Oh, bother. <laughs> Walt Disney loved the Winnie the Pooh stories. Oh, man. And his children loved them, why? which is why we got those movies and, and why Stored is also It was not a movie originally. And the reason was... It was Disney, three shorts. Yeah, Disney was afraid like that minutes, they would not... Yeah, he was afraid they, they would not be able to accept Winnie the Pooh right away. It was very brilliant, if you think about it. He says, I'm going to give them just a little taste. And then by the time we bring out the movie... They're going to love it. They're going to like it so much. They're going to be used to it because they may not be able to accept this English. Yeah, because it was an English thing. You wouldn't know if it would go over well. Exactly. So he was brilliant. Sadly, though, by the time they brought out the movie, he was gone. Yeah, but he had gotten to be a part of doing because there was Winnie the Pooh and the Blessed Three Day, and then Winnie the Pooh and Tinker Two, and they just put those three together with some little middle segments and put a little ending to it, and that was the movie. You had the movie. So, yeah. Now, that was when I was a baby. Whenever the movie came out, I was just an infant. Um, Actually, I think they had released all three of them previously. Yeah, they did the three of them, but then they. But I remember they put them back again. Yeah, and then. But but what I mean is the movie itself. But uh, putting it out as a movie. I'll have to look that up because I I think after they'd done the three, I think they did release them all as one feature before we were born. Seventy four, seventy three, and I was a baby. What I mean to say is, it was a big deal when I was a baby. When I was a baby, Winnie the Pooh was huge. Yes, Winnie the Pooh. Toys and not just because he ate a lot of honey and he got stuck somewhere. No, you know, there's Winnie the Pooh toys were huge when I was a baby. There's little shirts. It was like a it was like a, a shirt line. There was a lining of clothes and all that had a, a little logo. It was like almost like a hollow white cloth Winnie the Pooh that'd be on the corner of the, your shirt. I kind of remember that. Yeah, we all had it, man. We had it. And you could, the Pooh. Yeah, it was wonderful. He was yes, a Tigger too, and Tigger too. <laughs> and I still remind my wife of Tigger. Yeah, well. I well, I I still get called Winnie the Pooh, yeah. and I don't know why. It's just like every time I get compared to a character of Disney, so it's either him or Baloo. It's, it's <laughs> I can see the Baloo thing definitely. You're definitely Baloo. Yep, it's just how it is. Oh yes, but like we were saying, Disney with, with Disney's love of story that ties right into our segment. So uh, we're going to jump right over to that to Disney and beyond. Oh! Okay, Neverlanders, we are going to have some fun today. We have a special guest because we we call it third host when we do this. My new thing, although there's only going to be two of us because our regular Lost Boy Eric is unfortunately, as you all know, because I've probably said it before now, he's not feeling well. But uh, this is part of the fun of podcasting because we're time traveling because I'm recording this before I recorded anything that you've already heard in the show. So this is great. So you're time traveling. So hop in the DeLorean <laughs> with me. And we're going to meet an entirely different Lost Boy Eric. Except for we're going to call him Lost Boy What If. Now, why do I call him that? Because there's this podcast I just started to listen to when I first met up with him on Facebook. It's What If World. And I'm going to let him explain it to you. So everybody, welcome Eric, more Mr. Eric, as he calls himself on his show. Hi, hey, Jeremy. Uh, sorry, uh, Spider-Pan? Is that? Exactly. Okay. Uh, hello, Spider-Pan. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. Eric, or on, on this show, I, I will be What If Eric uh, from What <laughs> If World, which is a, it's a storytelling podcast for kids. It's improvisational. Kids call in with a What If question. I take those questions. I use them to inspire off-the-cuff stories, meaning they are unscripted stories that I that I tell, and then and then I edit them and add in music and fun stuff. And they're usually about fifteen to twenty minutes long, perfect for a car ride. And we've got about seventy nine episodes out by the time you're hearing this podcast. 
And I got a lot of catching up to do because I've only heard the last few weeks of it because I've been having fun with it. It's it's a really cute show. Oh, th- thank you so much. I, I do, tr- you know, I, I know it's four kids, but I try to throw in a little bit here and there that the parents will enjoy and, and grown-ups as well. I, I definitely some of my friends who are in, in their 30s and 40s actually just listen to the show because they like it. Yeah. But you now, when you improv this, I mean, is it, okay, well, I know what my what-if questions from the kids are. Do you have an idea of where the story is going when you get started? Or, I mean, are you just like, you know what, I'm going to wing it. Let me just see what comes out of my mouth. It, it depends on the on the day. I like I still I still at the core of me love to just sit down and improvise a story. But as you can imagine, after almost 80 episodes, it just doesn't come perfectly organically every time. So <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'll have the question picked out the night before and I'll sort of sleep on it and just think like, what's a good moral? What where's a fun place for this to go? Uh, and then, yeah, and and then I'll at least have a few ideas in my head. I might in the morning. I'll 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 as I'm getting ready for work. I'll I'll be like doing character voices, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then and then when I can get into the studio, I just sit down and and, and go. And everything takes place in this happy little place called What If World, which which is perfect because Neverland is our happy little place of whatever we want in the imagination. So basically, if you like this show, you're going to love that one. Oh. <laughs> That's the way I call it. Oh, it's like thank he's you. got his own little world where every one of these stories takes place. And so, and what got me hooked is uh, the first story is uh, one little kid had suggested a zombie apocalypse and they had like... Uh, there was the plants were against us and basically came around to one dragon that had had a problem with the plants, sneezed and caused a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I remember. I was rolling. <laughs> I was trying to not run my car off the road because I was laughing so hard. That just cracked me up. <laughs> Now, a, bo- a boy named Murray from Scotland asked that question, and I was like, "Wow, I have never done this. is This could go dark. So, like, how am I going to <laughs> work this out?" Uh, oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed the the result of it. Yeah, that was great fun. And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have to listen to this because it's nice to get some lighthearted just joy in a podcast because life is too serious." But that's the fun thing about stories. Like when you were kids or or even teenagers, maybe you go to youth camp or whatever, and y'all sit, would sit around the campfire and you tell stories and some like ghost stories or whatever. Stories are integral to our entire journey of being human. I mean, it's the way that we've told our histories, uh, we've taught lessons. Uh, I mean, stories just been around since the dawn of time. Since we could communicate, we've been telling stories. And even if you sit down with somebody, you know, new people you meet, you're going to learn a little bit about the story of who they are. And the longer you know people, the more you know their entire story, because the, the story of someone's life makes them into who they are. And so story is such integral to everything about us. And so I thought it would be fun to have somebody who's now having to every week have to come up with new stories based off of these fun things that these kids come up with, which I don't know where these kids get it, but I guess they're kids. (laughs) So I thought this would be a fun time to talk about how important story is and how we, you know, we learn things. And also, of course, tying it into Disney and some of our favorite stories and how the Disney company has brought all these stories that we knew to life and now is even new stories. Yeah, yeah. It, well, yeah, thank you. I, I'm very passionate about story. I was an English major. I studied romantic literature and I have done tons of comedy and plays and, uh, you know, just random acting work and, and, and read voraciously my whole life. And I just feel like, yeah, actually, Disney, it's really interesting how they have evolved over the years, even in just my lifetime. Uh, and, and just sort of, I, I think, I think helped redefine story, really, what, what we expect of it. Yeah. So what was your favorite story when you were a kid? Oh, wow. Oh, that's, you know, that's a great question. Uh, now, should, are we talking Disney story to keep it to keep it on on point? Uh, well, it doesn't have to be Disney, but what was the story that just you really connected with when you were a kid? There was so there, there was the series of books called Serendipity Books. They are almost impossible to find now. And there was a story about a dragon who ate muffins. 
And <laughs> yeah, he was just and it was just I, I loved it because it was, you know, it was a scary thing turned on its head. Mm-hmm. And and this dragon was terrorizing this town. Uh, but instead of sort of slaying the dragon, they they figured out how to make muffins for him and he figured out how to help them make muffins and you know they instead of instead of fighting they worked together and and all of their lives got better <laughs> and it just and you know they were these cute little furry creatures and he was this cute hungry pot-bellied dragon and i it was just one of those things that was just the perfect little fantasy for me and i i, I don't even remember the name of the book to be honest except that <laughs> it was part of the serendipity series yeah, see, I always connected for some reason like good old campfire style ghost stories. Oh yeah, and uh, of course one that jumps to mind. It, it, it's weird because it's 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 not your normal ghost story because it's kind of comedic. But uh, there was a book my grandmother had that was I think it was a Reader's Digest collection of stories, but it had a story. It was the teeny tiny woman. Hmm. And oh, I got a bunch of updates for Windows. Uh, remind me later. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird thing to pop up on screen. But uh, so it was called The Teeny Tiny Woman. And every phrasing of the, the story is the teeny tiny woman wanted took a teeny tiny walk and it was a teeny tiny this and a teeny tiny that. And you had this good fun repetition that's kind of comedic. But the basics of the story is she goes out and she finds this bone and decides it would be good for her soup. You know, like a soup bone. Hmm. And so she goes and takes it and she makes some soup and everything. But as she's sleeping, she hears a teeny tiny voice going, who took my bone? And it eventually just the bone is just getting or the, the voice gets closer to her and a teeny tiny bit more further. And she gets a teeny tiny bit more scared and pulls the covers a teeny tiny bit more up. You know, and then finally at the end, you have this great ending or she's like, the voice says, give me my bone. And the teeny tiny woman just jumps up and says, well, then take it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is supposed to be at a campfire. You would scare everybody, but I always thought it was hilarious. That is, that's so. funny, and and that and it's sort of like an untraditional ghost story in yeah, its own way. It's funny, yeah, yeah. You expect it. You expect it to like <laughs> her end up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know, getting going to ghost town herself or whatever. Uh, this ghost tries to eat her or something, and it's just yeah. like, and and, she, and no, it's just this sort of exchange of attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I always I always love when a trope is turned on its head. That is yeah. something that I really try to do with every story I tell, and I think. I think those are some of the more original movies that I've seen too and books that I've read is just when they're just not trying – they still tell like a traditional story but they just try to tweak at least one little thing to make it more interesting. Yeah, when you do it great, when you do it well, it's it's a lot of fun. When you just surprise us a little bit and like, oh, hey, that's kind of cool, you know. But sometimes some people just go too far with that. And you're like, wait a minute, what did you do? But most of the time, it can be a lot of fun to just give that little twist to like, oh, that was fun. I didn't expect that, you know. But, you know, that's the, the fun thing, you know, with story is Walt Disney, when he was little, loved to tell stories, too. And there's I actually heard him multiple times every time I go and visit up in Marceline that his little sister, Ruth, when they moved to the farmhouse in Marceline, you know, they had, of course, the older brothers who would help their father with the farm. And it was Walt's job to keep the, his little sister, Ruth, entertained. So they would sit underneath this tree. And this is what we now know as the Dreaming Tree, which, unfortunately, if you ever get a chance to come to Marceline, you'll see the Dreaming Tree. Uh, the weather has destroyed it. Uh. But but they would sit underneath that and Walt would draw, you know, little pictures. But Ruth said that Walt was some of the, the best storyteller she ever knew. So he'd come up with stories, and he loved stories even as a child, just like you know when we were kids. And one of his favorites, actually, I bet you might be able to guess this. Uh, Which you may have seen it on our notes too, but <laughs> oh, uh, Peter Pan. Yes, Peter <laughs> Pan was one of his favorites, and he, as uh, we were talking before the show, and uh, and what if here has actually played in, in a Peter Pan play? Did you get you played Peter Pan as well, right? I, I did indeed. In fact, Flying by Foy came in the same the Broadway company. My my high school director went all out, and like I I actually flew. It was a it was an amazing. Amazing experience. I I had to learn to sing in a in a, in a, a, a woman's range. It's you know tr- <laughs> it's traditionally played by a, a woman on Broadway. Mm-hmm. But I I was young enough. I, I was a, you know I, I was a second tenor, so it was just a little bit of a stretch. But, <laughs> but yeah. I worked it so out. but uh, Walt played Peter Pan when he was very small in elementary oh, cool. school. 
I had so that, no idea. Yeah, that really set things. And that's oh, that's one of the things when I learned about it. I'm like, you know what? That really did set the basis for him for loving these fairy tales and that type of story, and really getting you know the concept of Neverland. If you think about it, Neverland is something that must have carried over into the Disney parks because they're like the land of imagination. And suddenly adults get to go in there as I, you know, I've even spoken with Paul Blair of window to the magic a long time ago. I think first season of Neverland where Disneyland is the, like the only place where you could be, you know, a full grown 40, 50 year old person and run screaming like a child down main street. And nobody will look at you funny. They're just like, yep, he's just enjoying it. We're all doing it. Because you're allowed to play pretend when you when you hop on a Disney ride or an attraction, you are invited into a story and you get a part to play and you just play along. And that's how you have the most fun. So like like those early stories, you know, when he was telling Ruth, that's I think that's what carried him. And that's that's kind of our how we're channeling to the rest of this conversation is <laughs> like it all started with stories and yeah. telling them around a tree like when we used to tell stuff in a campfire or read, you know, and. Uh, so did you ever like make up any stories around campfires? Did you play any games to tell stories? Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, we, we didn't, you know, I lived in a, in a small sort of sleepy beach town growing up. So there weren't a, a terrible amount of trees around and we didn't have a whole lot of space. This was after moving out of the city near outside of Boston. I moved to a town called Hull and it was, uh, we would mostly just wander around the beach or the bay. It was a peninsula, so you could be on either side. And and we'd, uh, my friend was a guitarist, so sometimes he would sing songs, you know, play, and I would I would improvise songs along, and we'd make stories that way. <laughs> uh, we would we would play, we would make up just in, insane games, uh, a school game where you just had to make each other laugh. We had a game called. Dr. Baby, where it was just this sort of just this sort of maniacal baby that somehow becomes a doctor and just always <laughs> is just obsessed with uh, unnecessary, you know, surgeries. It was, it was a, I mean, we were kids. It was a silly character. Uh, I think it, um, he, he I think I'm seeing a connection to uh, I guess it was it was it this week's that uh, somebody somebody had sent in and. Uh, Little little kid said, "What if mad scientists wore diapers?" And so you had this mad scientist baby. <laughs> yes, yes, that's why it was top of mind. In fact, yes, because that character was <laughs> uh, his name was Professor Mushpants, but it might yeah. as well have been Doctor Baby because that's uh, it was inspired by that that sort of storytelling game we told each other. And and we'd also I, I, we'd also play with action figures like of course. We, oh man, and we would set up like massive wars because all of, you know, all of my friends had action figures we'd get together and put them all together and it would just be this ongoing saga of like gi joes versus aliens but then ninja turtles would come in to save the day and like <laughs> yes. and like watch out for he-man because you know he's showing up and <laughs> <laughs> yes so i was the same way i'd had such a mishmash of different types of figures and i'd have like one or two of one toy line or or something of a different toy line that you know, everybody could end up being a Batman villain, you know, in some yep. fashion, you know, because, you know, the Joker's got to have thugs, you know. So of course. You, you, you would use the same figures with different toys and mix together and come up with your own stories. And or even uh, we used to have like our toy cars, me and my, my neighbors, we play all the time. Our cars, of course, had names and personalities and characters, and we'd have mm-hmm. adventures with our toy cars that way and have stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think there is this fundamental desire to 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 find stories even where there aren't any you know not naturally occurring ones we we personify objects we 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 look for like coincidence and 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 tell stories about just things that we see in our lives we uh things that are unusual will 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 make it it into a story to mm-hmm. uh, to explain it to ourselves and 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 it's all it's all just sort of practice as kids. I I think you know we're we're but we're in that practice. We're learning so much about ourselves, about human nature. You can if you're telling a story with a friend, you can you can learn their perspective more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was always really interesting. You know, whenever like every once in a while, I, I could remember you know say playing 
uh, the, the guy Craig, who wrote our my my theme song, um, he is a musician. He's the same guy I was telling you about walking around on the beach singing songs, and and I could remember, you know, sometimes we'd get like really attached to one particular character in a in a, in a action figure adventure that we'd made up, and you know that <laughs> character, and then that character would you know would get would get would lose to a bad guy, and we'd get so upset. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we made it happen, and I, it was it just like, it, it's really just sort of a practice of stepping outside of yourself, which I think is mm-hmm. just such an important trait for humanity, not just kids. Yeah. And especially when you're when you're a kid like me, I am completely unathletic. Uh, so you know, we'd have kids in the neighborhood that their entire thing was, oh, whatever the whatever season it was, they were going to go play some baseball or they're going to go play some football or whatever. Sure. And me and my friends, well, we're not athletic, so our playground was our imagination. So we would have a story, we'd set up, we'd come up with characters. My wiffle ball bat would be a sword, you know, and, <laughs> and off we would go on some sort of adventure in some fashion in our imaginations. Oh yeah, so, man, I definitely had my share of Jedi battles with yardsticks and wiffle ball bats and you know on the bay or in backyards and you know much to my parents chagrin of course (laughs) yeah because people who don't get understand what you're doing kind of look at you like what are they doing anyway and like hey we're somewhere else and yeah yeah of course then i i had to start taking karate around age 12 or 13 just just so i could basically keep playing the same way (laughs) justify it (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get to start taking karate until I started college, and I did that for a couple of years, and I haven't been back, unfortunately. And then I got fat, and I if I was still in it, I probably wouldn't have gotten fat. <laughs> ah, I mean, you never know. I, yeah, it's life. Life throws weird things at you, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. What were we gonna? Well, just diving into next thing, you know, with movies uh with like even some of walt's early movies and you even made a note of that a note of this that walt really because he loved old folktales and you know old folktales myth those inspire so many of our modern stories uh which we're going to get into later the hero's journey which uh, you say that and a bunch of a bunch of nerds go i know the hero's journey so <laughs> but that comes from the old myths and stories and old fairy tales the hero's journey was a a major thing and they inspired so much i mean you can it's all over harry potter you can see the influences because jk rowling loved old stories and it's of it's course. all over the place tolkien loved old epic and stuff and it really came out and c.s lewis some of my favorite stuff you know was people that they loved those old stories and Walt Disney loved those old stories, and he set out, once he started to really wanted to start to make more longer films, and even some of his short films, he went out and tried to get the rights to every old story that he could and found out what would be uh, free for him or what if he had to pay somebody to get. So he collected as many stories as he could so he could make movies of them. And that's where, I mean, some of the best Disney films ever are some of those early ones. I mean, I even, uh, golly, how long ago was it when Pinocchio had that Blu-ray digital release? Hmm, I don't know. I hadn't gotten to watch that in such a long time, but I'd forgotten just how quickly that movie can just charm you when you're just sitting there watching these clocks and you've you've already heard When You Wish Upon a Star. But you know, And, of course, now Pinocchio, the film is very different from the actual – I've read the book of from the actual stories that were in uh, whatever, like a magazine or something. And it's very, very different, but – Yeah. Well, that's – Those uh, whole stories. No, that's, uh, that's the thing about uh, these fairy tales and part of – Disney's, you know, intelligence with them as they, they like Snow White was was a more direct adaptation. But yeah. when you watch that, you're like, oh wow, that it, that's kind of dark. <laughs> uh, like even for a kids movie, especially it, it it they they have they insert plenty of levity, uh, be, and because they're like I feel like they're practicing with it. And then I, I think by the I think Sleeping Beauty is probably a better a better example of them taking a traditional fairy tale that it, that is in fact very dark. She's, she's asleep. I, I believe for a hundred years in the original yeah, fairy tale. The original stories were much, much darker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, and, and in this, and in this, instead of, instead of just setting it all in this sort of stark castle and it just being about a, a prince trying to save a princess there, it's these, it's these three women, you know, essentially like spinsters and they, and they take this, this little girl away from the opulent life and raise her like a peasant girl. And, you know, none of that was in the, the, 
the fairy tale, but it made for a much better story. Beca- yeah, because Maleficent isn't even in the, the original story. They came no. up with that character themselves, and thank goodness they did, because that's a great character. Oh, she's great, but yeah, it, it used to be just the thirteenth fairy. They didn't have yeah. a have a gold plate for her, and she felt mm-hmm. slighted at the you know at the at, at the dinner, and so <laughs> did this person. You know, it's just very very fickle, which which fae creatures always were in these fairy yeah. tales. But, oh yes, when you get into the folklore fairies, you never know what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but they have but they have since learned to try to make their villains. A little more relatable. I think that's uh, part of the evolution of story. Like Maleficent, ultimately, I mean, great character, very, very like stark and and frightening and and beautiful at the same time. But also like, um, they're you know she, she's she's a little alien. She's still a little fae. She like she just takes like the slightest slight from I think uh, something Berry. I forget the name of the Mary Merryweather. Is that the fairy? Yeah. Uh, the fairy uh, godmother. Them, yeah. The one that insults her. Flora Fauna um, and Merryweather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then she, you know she takes the slightest slight and has this massive overreaction. Cur- you know curses this little girl to to death. Yeah. And you know but and then I think when you're moving into the later stories, they do their best to to have you see from the villain's point of view a little bit more. And I, I think that's important. Um, for to help kids see not just in black and white, but you know, see the see the big picture. Yeah, but one thing I got to rewind you back because you referred to Snow White as a kids movie, and you're about to get hate mail if I don't stop you. Oh, because <laughs> these films, when Walt made them, were never meant to be children's films. Oh, he was trying to compete with all the larger studios out there. And uh, there's this, I need to go find it on YouTube. I'll send it to you. It's a really interesting. Some guy did a great study on on how Walt would make a film compared to how the Disney company is doing it now. And some of the things that were unfortunately lost because Walt, the, the angles they choose and the lighting and the way they told stories. I mean, sometimes it's, it's very Hitchcock. He was trying to make films just as good as, as anything else. And just like the parks are not children's parks. They're not meant for kids. They're meant for the entire family to come together because there's stuff for the adults to enjoy. And there's stuff for, of course, the kids are going to enjoy. But yeah, that's, that's a problem I have with society is you make something that you want the entire family to be enjoyed and quickly so people try to box it up and call it kid stuff. Yeah, yeah, I no, like, no, that, I didn't mean that just for your kids. I want you to enjoy it too, parents. That's and totally I worry fair. sometimes that some some animation companies they don't know how to engage the parents, and so they'll throw an off-color joke that into it that that every time I catch one, I'm like, no, that you went too far, you know. Sometimes like I I couldn't get into the Shrek movies because they would throw in stuff that like. I, the first time I saw the first Shrek movie, I had a mother and her kids in front of me, and the first time they started throwing those off-color jokes, the mother was freaking out because she didn't mm. want her kids to be hearing this kind of thing. Sure. And a lot of these, these newer other companies don't seem to know how to find a way that with story, you can engage the parents as well. Yeah. But it, 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 I, I'm almost afraid, and I've heard this from other sources too, that the the current Disney company, it got so weird where people just automatically say, oh, kid stuff, because it's animation. Somehow another animation is supposed to be kid stuff. That they started actually making movies more aimed at kids, and they're losing a lot of the actual depth and symbolism that some of the early Disney features had. Wow. That's- where now it's like they almost have to preach their message to you. They just slap you with it instead of you understand it just because of how the story was presented to you where you get, oh, there's a bit of a morality tale in here where you could discuss it later. Now it's just like like Zootopia has that slap your face moment of like, oh, it's because I'm a fox. I'm like, really? We had to just come right out with it? We couldn't just <laughs> couldn't just get me to get the idea of what you're trying to communicate without slapping me in the face? So sometimes you have great movies that they do uh, now, but they, they don't seem to be able to find that line of Keeping it thoughtful and mindful to where it's it's a cerebral thing without having to just come right out and say, hey, we're going to have a point to this. Yeah. So we've almost lost something. Yeah, there's – I mean that's – I think like movie to movie, the, the I feel I feel like it's, it's going in a better direction uh, 
in in general, you know, trying to be a little bit more inclusive, have more strong female characters, more more uh, people of color represented, even if just by their voice and you know in animated films, like mm-hmm. they're trying to be more egalitarian overall. But yeah, sometimes sometimes they can be a little heavy handed. I, I think yeah. I think largely like one so so just you know talking about how story has evolved. It, I, you know, everyone's trying to have a story that is, you know, this sort of circle. Like that, I mean, that's how I, how I picture a traditional story. It starts in, in whatever your, whatever that character's normal is, right? And then mm-hmm. it moves into this different world, this world they're uncomfortable with, and they change and, and grow along the way. And then that kind of circles back. And whether they're in this same world or, or not anymore, it's like, it, it still has this sort of same feel as the beginning. It's just that they're a bigger, better person. Yeah. Uh, and and, and ev- but everyone's trying to everyone's trying to mimic this. Everyone's trying to have this structure so perfectly, and then just make like one point. I think I think every movie now they're like, well, this movie is this movie is only about equality. Like that's the that is the that's the thesis statement of this movie, or this or this movie is only about choice you know um this movie is just about siblings loving each other this is this one's just about triumph over adversity mm-hmm. and yeah like it it's uh, it so it sometimes it gets a little bit i guess uh a basic you know yeah uh, and at and, and kids kids level that's what it's pretty much it's like okay well we want to make sure the kids understand it so that, but you know kids are smarter I think than sometimes you give them credit they understand things when you when you have a little bit of subtlety kids pick up on some of that and they learn and they think you know oh, kids have great beautiful forming minds and they can take in stuff and now they might not take in as much as an adult but when they keep coming back to it they'll get a little bit more and a little bit more out of stuff and they grow and they develop and they learn stuff when you but you don't have to come straight out and like like you were talking about how we're we're, we're getting more more strong female type characters or you know trying to get more mixed colors I think what's when it's done best is when they don't say, hey, look, we got a strong female character here because right. some movies feel like that. I, Star Wars, I love that they've done it where it doesn't seem like they've made a big deal out of it. It's just like, oh, you know what? We're just going to get another female character that I think you're going to love. Yeah. And the just, films, I mean, because Ray, they just introduced her as this character. And gosh, we just loved her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, I think sometimes at conventions, Kathleen Kennedy likes to toot their horn at that. But you just ignore that. And it's like, let me just go into the story and present these characters to me because I don't care if it's male, female, whatever, you know, just give me a good character. But right. don't say, hey, look at me, you know, because y- you can sense that when they do that in some movies. And it's just like, uh, OK, I'm, thank you for tooting that. But can you just tell me a story with this character and let me just love the character? Yeah. So. And, and, and that and I think that's like where where. I, you know, a, a big, massive, I mean, insanely huge studio like like Disney with all of their various properties. They have so much power. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that at least theatrically, like they they're they're using it more responsibly. They're they're trying to make it like they I mean, they're everyone looks to them. Uh, yeah. Even people who are like, oh, but it's just Disney, you know, like they're just kids movies. It's like, no, but they're there's they do so much now. So yeah. they their influence, is, whether you like them or not. And, you know, I happen to like them. I've seen yeah. all of their movies almost. But like <laughs> uh, you have to acknowledge their influence. And oh, so yes. like the more they do stuff like this, like right now in, in, in just the world that we live in. So yeah. Sometimes you're going to have to like just force in more characters uh because it's because people aren't thinking that like oh that could just as easily be a woman you know uh, in that in that role people like we don't so so it's going to probably feel really forced for maybe for a whole another generation yeah. until it's just and, then anyone then it, a, a movie can come out it can be all men <laughs> you know 20 years from now but that's fine because because there'll be three other movies that are all women or a good mix yeah. or whatever yeah all right well this has been fun we could keep talking about this on and on and on i'm sure but we gotta we gotta let mr eric go back to what if world so he can tell more stories over there (laughs) yeah and i i gotta let you back to neverland 
Oh, well, we've been in Neverland the whole time. Oh, okay, see? excuse me. Imagination! <laughs> but, so how can people find What If World if they want to come visit and hear some fun stories? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Yeah, um, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcast, just look for What If World. And uh, you can, you know, you can even tell Alexa to to play us, um, play the What If World podcast, and 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 if she'll spit us out. <laughs> and of course, your your show is fueled by kids having questions. Yes. So if they go to the website, do they find a way for the kids can have the What If question oh, and submit it? Yes, you're doing a much better job of this than me. <laughs> uh, so yes. I'm an old pro now. <laughs> you can uh, parents. Uh, well, kids can get their parents' permission and their help and call 205-605-WHAT and then they can just leave their what-if question, tell me something they like. I collect all these questions. I have a big, big, big folder uh, I call my question bag and I just I randomly pick at least one a week and oftentimes two or three so I can try to answer as many of these awesome <laughs> questions as possible. And it's a great fun doing it, so I definitely recommend it. It's good, clean fun, and it's imaginative, which is one of the things we're big of here in Neverland. So everybody, go check it out. Thank you. I had some good, clean fun today. (laughs) We try our best. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true.